Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Inside Groove. This is episode 122, and we are going to start right off with a feature interview on this show, and then uh, you can hear more of me later. Uh, we've got a busy show, and we got to get to it. We were off for a week, and uh, we had another set of races, so looking forward a lot to talk about. And we're actually getting toward Classic, but uh, as I mentioned, we're going to start out with a feature interview, and that is with a first-time winner at the Oswego Speedway, in this case, in the SBS division, Tony DeStevens has joined us for the first time on The Groove. And, uh, Tony, it is great to have you on the program. And um, I'm looking forward to this because you and I have not had the chance to talk before. So um want to kind of go back and uh, dive into, first of all, I uh, want to congratulate you on the win. And then let's go back uh all the way to the beginning for you how old were you when you first got interested in racing and tell us about that what first interested you in the sport yeah so uh obviously it's nice to meet you tom and thanks for having me on the show for sure Sure. you know i I first got into racing at the age of 13 and quarter midgets after i saw my little brother racing and he was uh i think he was six or seven years old at the time and and he did one season without me, and I figured I wanted to go out and see if I could kick his butt. So I went out <laughs> years old, and I raced quarter midgets for three years. And then uh, I got one track championship and, you know, had a dozen wins or so there. And then I started a Circle Speedway in 2021 and then 2022 full-time. Okay, so um, your brother is Joey. How old is Joey, and how old are you? Uh, so I have a little brother, Nick. He started quarter oh. midgets for me, and he is... I believe 14 years old and then I'm 18 and then Joe who builds all my equipment is 20. Okay. So there's a third brother there that uh, doesn't get, um, doesn't get talked about too much, but uh, was actually the inspiration for you, which is kind of, that's interesting. So if it weren't for Nick Nick racing quarter midgets, uh, you and I may not be doing this interview right now. Yeah, for sure. If he, uh, he never decided he wanted to get into this whole, this whole ordeal, uh, I would definitely not have stepped foot in a race car. That's interesting. Know he started, so. Okay, so um, talk about what quarter midget racing was like for you. Do you remember what your first race was like? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I enjoyed quarter midgets a lot, and I started uh, in the blue rookie class, which I don't know if I had to guess to about 20 miles an hour, and I think it took me probably three or four races to get my first win there. And then um, next year, you know, I jumped up to a little bit faster class and uh, a couple newer cars and got a handful more wins. And my last year there, I was in one of the fastest classes they had, and I got a track championship and uh, a couple wins there. So that was pretty cool. They're they're fun to drive. So you and Nick both raced. D- Joey has raced some as well, right, or, or no? For, yeah, so Nick has raced qu- only quarter midgets. Okay. Uh, 
because he's so young. Uh, I've done quarter midgets, and obviously now I'm doing SBS, and then I've, you know, I'm dabbling in 350 a little bit. And then Joe did quarter midgets as well for two years, and then he did one year at Oswego Speedway along with like, a couple test sessions. Okay, I thought that Joey had run the SBS. Okay, so um, now we got that straightened out. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, first of all your transition and your and and Joey as well because I think. Um, you kind of came into the whole SBS thing together, did you not? Yeah, I think uh, the year he was testing was 2020, and that yeah. was my fast quarter of midgets. Okay. And so I bought the uh, 50 of Dave Cliff's car that September when he was testing. And then the following year, I tested just about all of 2021 while he was doing his rookie season. Yeah, okay. That's um, So, yeah, we had, because, of course, 2020, uh, we didn't have any races. Um, everybody tested. So, Joey raced for a while, and now it's just you behind the wheel, or at least for the moment anyway. What is kind of the overall plan um, for, you know, for Joey? And is there a plan at some point for Nick to perhaps uh, make the step up? Uh, I don't know what Nick's plan is, to be honest with you. I know... Uh... He's just enjoying doing what he's doing right now. He does all my tires. He does most of the setup on the car, actually. Oh wow! Yeah, and my uh, my older brother Joe. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he plans to step foot in a race car, uh, at least for the time being. I think he uh, since he stopped driving and started focusing more on my equipment. I think we've definitely stepped up our game a lot, and he builds them all. And we had that one crash there two weeks ago, and he's the one that rebuilt just about half the car from the cage forward, and uh, you know stayed up six days in a row or whatever, and he uh, repaired that. See, that's so interesting for me is, you know, I talk all the time on this show and I know that you and I haven't talked before. So, I mean, I started going in 1973 to the Speedway, so I'm uh, slightly older than you. And um, and and I talk all the time about how extensively generational the 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 Oswego Speedway and super modified racing has always been and still continues to be now. We look at the DeStevens family, and you're all relatively new to the Speedway, and yet um, it feels like all of you have kind of, now we, again, we don't know where Nick goes yet. Um, he's still racing quarters, but it's like all three of you have a bit of a role that you're playing currently in this. It's still a family operation um, in the truest sense of the word, and you happen to be the one that, at least for the moment, is behind the wheel of the car. What's that like for you guys? Because, I mean, you know, brothers growing up and at your ages, uh, you know, not always, you know, you fight or you whatever. I mean, it's, uh, it seems like you guys are all sort of focused on the race car. Is that uh, also kind of had the effect of helping the relationship outside of racing too? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, racing has definitely brought our family together. We're a lot closer. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be half of where I was in racing if I didn't have either of my brothers to work or build the cars. So it's definitely for sure helped build that relationship. Now, how much have you put into as far as working on and building the cars? Because obviously as a driver, the more that you know about how the car works, the better your feedback that you can give during the race night to get the car dialed in where you want it. So what's, what is that like as far as your specific role here? Have you gotten into the mechanics of the car as much as they have? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I help him out as much as I can. Um, I'm in the race shop most of the time with my older brother, Joe. Uh, obviously, he does all the fab work and, you know, reclips them and 
builds whatever parts we need. But, you know, I'll just do general maintenance, cleaning, take the body off, spark plugs, um, anything he really needs help with. You know, I'm starting to – I think it definitely helps me know how the car reacts. And if he says what change he's going to throw at it, I know how the car is going to react. And it's it definitely helps me as a driver a lot better knowing, you know, if you if you take this bar and move it this way, it's going to do this to the car. And it's just a lot better. Well, it's, it's also got to be some kind of measure of comfort in a way that your brother is the one that, that's making all those choices, because obviously, you know that he's going to have your best interests at heart. And then when he builds something, it's going to be safe as it can be, because he you're the one driving it. So that's really uh, I think that's pretty cool to see three brothers that are kind of united around one race car like that and then when you go to the quarter midget track it sounds like it's uh it's all about little brother and nick gets to be in the spotlight for a while yeah it's great you know i've never i've never questioned my safety in any of the cars he builds or i mean i had that one wreck there a few weeks ago and i was fortunate enough to walk away just a little bit sore yeah and um yeah i've never questioned this i've never questioned the safety of him i've never questioned anything that he builds um nothing's falling apart Nothing's broke on me. Uh, the cars have very rarely failed on me if they have. And, um, yeah, there's definitely uh, I have a higher trust level for sure. Okay. And, and talk a bit about your transition from the quarter midget to the SBS because you're not the first one that's made that. Had another first-time winner last night in Camden Proud that did it, and I think he was only, like, 15 when he, uh, when, when he made the transition. May have still been 14, for that matter. But, um it, it that's a huge transition in size first of all of the vehicle and also obviously in speed and size of the track so what was that like for you yeah that was definitely a big jump for me um i started testing at the age of 15 and then um i raced two races at the end of 2021 at the age of 16 and it was it's a lot more car to deal with a lot more speed to deal with i mean speed's somewhat relative when you're racing side by side with someone but the size of the car, the independent front end compared to the straight axle is definitely a big jump. Oh, that's a good point. I think um, just easing into it is all I did. You know, I think we hit every fast Friday for four or five weeks in a row. And, you know, I gained a couple tenths, a couple seconds or whatever there at the end. And it's definitely a big jump. But I think once you get the feel of the car and how it's going to rotate, and I think that's a lot of it, feeling how the car rotates a lot more through the, like, through the corner. And but once you get the grasp of it, it's not it's not horrible to feel out did you grow up as a as a race fan did your family grow up watching racing i mean you said earlier that the first time you really got interested in it was when um when nick did it um what what is that uh what was that relationship growing up i mean how did how did you even get to quarter midget racing to begin with as a family yeah we uh we went to a swigger speedway when i was young and okay. we watched every week there so you know big on nascar obviously um we you know watching joe gozik with the rear tail section and all that i actually um it's kind of funny i sat in the joe gozik car that i now that i now have as my 350 when i was very young and uh i sat in that after he had won a race and was, oh wow yeah it was cool to, it was cool to see now that i own that car and i've driven that car now and that's for sure pretty cool to see now let's okay so let's talk about that a bit because when you were you were how old when you sat in that car after joe's feature win uh i would have to guess right around seven or eight years old yeah could you have possibly 
even in the smallest corner of your mind ever thought that one day, not only were you going to be racing at the Speedway, because a lot, obviously a lot of people dream that, but you were going to be racing a car that Joe Gozik won races in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, I never saw any of this coming. Uh, I never thought I'd drive a race car. I never thought, I mean, even when I was racing quarterman, just looking at these guys driving at Suga Speedway, I never thought I could handle the speeds they're going and, you know, matter of fact, win a feature. So, I, yeah, it's definitely it's a very surreal feeling. I bet it is. Okay, so now let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit to this season. And, you know, you've had kind of lowest of low and then to highest of high with the win last night. So um, what's this season been like for you? And what was it like for you when you finally took the checkered flag? Talk to me about what you were feeling at the moment you saw the flag fly and you crossed the line in first. Yeah, I mean, this... This season's been anything other than I expected. We've been anything but consistent. Uh, first week there, we ran all right. We had some problems. The car car had handling problems, actually, until we chopped it in half. And uh, well, I won the heat race there the second week, and that was nice for us. And then, um, obviously, we the next following week, got seventh place, I believe, and then the wreck. And then um, last week, we had fuel problems, which uh, we had to pull in, pull in the pits. And so, uh, you know, I was definitely um, – doubting myself a little bit i didn't know if i still had it you know and uh i honestly didn't even expect to win the feature you know like lap 15 and i'm thinking you know where are these guys at (laughs) and uh, about lap 25 i was behind a lap car and i happened to look up at the board and i saw danny k coming out of four when i was going into (laughs) and i was you know i didn't even know what to think to be honest and uh i actually stayed relatively flat foot until turn three after the checkered flag, just cause I didn't know if it was over. Or not. <laughs> you weren't taking any chances, right? It's uh no Mark Martin pull in on the white flag lap thinking it was the checkered for Tony. He's, he's going to make an extra lap and make sure. Cause, and I, and I was going to ask you about that uh, with Danny K because you know, Danny came back for the first time in the SBS car, one of the absolute best to have ever sat in an SBS car at um, the Oswego Speedway. And, you know, he comes back and he's in second. And I wondered if you um, had a moment to peek at the board. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad because then you start thinking in real time instead of just driving by program like you normally would. You get in the zone and stay there. Um, and then it's like, okay, Danny Kay's catching me. I better not make any mistakes. And sometimes that's when you make one. So it's um, it, it, it must have been a great feeling to know that you beat one of the all-time best in the division to get the win. Yeah, that I mean, Danny Kay, since – since the minute I got in the SPS class, I mean, I, I he probably got annoyed at times. I was blowing up his phone all the time, figuring out how to drive these things. And, uh, you know, Anthony Lacerdo, big time. I mean, I would call him, text him. He actually taught me how to drive a manual in the first place. Cause I oh, know wow. How to use it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the Lacerdos, Kebzinski, you know, without them, I wouldn't know how to drive these things. And, yeah, by lap, lap 25, I looked up the board, and I saw him coming out of four, and I was like, oh, we got to move. So, uh I definitely, you know, put the pressure on those last five laps just to uh, ensure he wasn't catching. Well, um, it worked because obviously you got the win and and Danny finished second. Now, both of you have one thing in common, and that is that you are kind of slowly, it seems, transitioning to the, the 350. So talk a little bit about 
the status of that and, you know, kind of what the plan is going forward. Yeah, I mean, I we wanted to have it out early July, and then that big wreck there definitely set us back a bit. Um, I've tested it twice now, and I've got down to a 17.2 or 17.3, I believe. And um, those cars are so much funner to drive. And uh, so I think the plan was for next season to be full-time 350. Well, I would... We're definitely going to keep an eye on it with the car count in the 350, see what happens there. But um, as of right now, the plan is still to move up to 350 next year. I would like to dabble in it some this year with one or two races at the end of the year, maybe soon. Um, but, yeah, the plan is just uh, I'd like to hit one more test session, probably hit one or two races this year, and then next year, you know, really dive into that class. Do you plan to keep the SBS car once you have the 350? Again, I know that there's some question about maybe, you know, could Nick follow you into that car, but um, do you plan on keeping it? Yeah, I don't know what Nick's plan is as for if he even plans race this week, to be honest, but I think right now, um, the plan is definitely to keep all cars we have. We have okay. my SBS, my backup SBS, which was my brother's, and I yep. drove that at Evans, I drove that at Evans Mills in May, and um, then the 350. So SBS, I'll definitely come out for big shows, or you know, if there's a high car count and I want to see, you know, where I place, I'll definitely go out in that. But I would like to, I'd like to stay consistent in the SBS class, even if it's not full time. Well, it's uh, it, it, you've got a great opportunity with the 350. We need all the cars we could get in that class right now. Um, so hopefully uh, you'll be able to get back out in that soon. And I bet that that is quite the different uh, type of challenge from uh, the SBS. You've kind of made some uh, really interesting kind of supersize leaps from a quarter midget to a full-size SBS car to... Um, to the 350, which is kind of a whole different type of car to drive, right? It, it, the SBS, more of a momentum car, the 350 um, is obviously a full-blown super modified with a small block in it and a, and a wing on top. What was what's what was it like to take that car out and instead of 19.2, um, you're running 17.2? Honestly, uh, it feels a lot more like a quarter midget than SBS does. Um so I think it I was it just does. get to the corner, point, shoot, and flat foot it. And, I mean, those things, I barely felt any wheel slip for the most part. But, um, yeah, 350 was definitely a great experience, and that thing is a blast to drive. It's just pressure the whole time. What's the long-term – what is your – what's your goal? I mean, do you have any aspirations of moving beyond the Oswego Speedway and, and racing on a, a, a professional level at some point? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. If the opportunity was ever there to race professional, I would definitely be interested in that. I love racing. I think I'm somewhat good at it at times. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, if professional racing was ever in question, I would definitely be all for it. But as of right now, it's just a hobby, and it's just something to do. I love how you said somewhat good at it at times. Coming off a, a feature win last night over one of the best drivers in the to ever sit in the class. Uh, that's uh, very well understated, and I like hearing that. Uh, okay, so you know, that's, uh it would it would be interesting. Now you're, I assume you're out of school now, right? Out of high school. What, you, what is where are you at? Kind of in the in your life situation as far as do you work full time or is is it all racing for you? Um, I just graduated high school like two weeks ago on my birthday, actually, June 24th. Oh, that's an uh, interesting birthday present. Yeah. And I also raced that day and crashed. So that was, you know, up, <laughs> up and down for sure. But yeah, now I, uh, for the summer I'm working full time and then, um, 
come September, I'm going to uh, the Swigo Oswego University for electrical and computer engineering. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a good thing to study. Um, and uh, there's the high. Uh, there's that roller coaster thing we talked about again, right? You get you got your get out of uh, high school free card, and then went and crashed the uh, the race car. So uh, yeah, from the highest of highs, life has a way of humbling you in a hurry, doesn't it? Uh, just oh, when you think you're having a good day, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought for sure it'd be a good day, and then. Um... <laughs> Man, that one that one hurt pretty bad in the feature. Yeah, there, so. I bet. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it, it it's kind of okay to look back and chuckle now because you were okay and you you just won your first feature, so it kind of put all that behind you. But um, that is quite a quite an extreme of a day because that was a, a a nasty crash. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt for sure. Um, I wasn't running too great. The car wasn't handling too great, and um, you know, I wasn't where I should have been in the first place to be honest but then uh i got hooked there going down the straightaway and i ate that outside wall rode it pretty high and then uh dropped back down and my visor was covered in so much liquid i couldn't even see the inside wall and then i felt that one pretty hard so yeah that's uh you managed to to hit in places where there's no foam um and you know that's always uh steel is not very forgiving so um i remember watching that and and seeing it happen and and it's just one of those where you hold your breath for a minute until you see the driver get out of the car and and move around because then it's like okay at least at least we got that far anything else is 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 a bonus here and so glad that you walked away from that a real testament again to the safety of the car and the equipment that you have and uh now you get to move forward and um i know you can't do any of this by yourself and i suspect that beyond uh just other members of the stevens family there's a lot of other people you mentioned a couple of them earlier that uh who have helped you along the way to get to where you are so um always like to give the drivers an opportunity to thank whoever they need to whether it's crew sponsors or whoever so go ahead and hit it yeah, I think for sure we'll start out with sponsors. I got Lafferie on the water, Brandon's Pub and Grill. They've been great to me. Stone Creek Golf Club, Will's a great guy. Ray Haynes State Farm, Purple Kitty Yarns, and the Stevens Lawn Care, which my uh, little brother actually owns. And then, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without Jim Lacerdo, Anthony Lacerdo. They're like family to me. They, you know, they help get us into this the Sligo Speedway, actually. Uh, Nate Ratcliffe, he's always there when we need him. Uh, Varick Hager, he's my fuel man. Uh, he's a great dude and there's you know there's far too many people to really thank but uh for sure yeah we couldn't do it all, all by ourselves it's always funny because uh i look at the lacertos and go okay you're helping all these other people get in and you got out oh, come back come on <laughs> anthony yeah. was, anthony was a great driver yeah oh yeah anthony was a wheelman for sure and i uh <laughs> we've talked to him before so the car's always there if he wants to hop in for sure well, that would be fun to see uh, see that happen, and 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 I also noted in that list that you mentioned a lawn care business that your youngest brother is already working. You guys obviously were brought up very well by your parents because you are some working, hardworking young uh, young kids, and and that's great to see in a day and age when um, being a YouTuber is considered a worthy career goal. <laughs> yeah there's there's no rest over here for sure we're always working either in the race shop or uh on our lives yeah for sure okay so you're you're fairly new so i'm gonna throw this question out as as and get you out of here on this 
where can fans, if there's people who kind of want to follow you more closely, um, your career, where can fans do so, social media or whatever? Honestly, I'm not huge on social media. I uh, Obviously, on Facebook, Tony DeStevens, that's where I post just about all my racing updates or just thanking people and just keeping people posted on there. Okay, so Tony DeStevens on Facebook is uh, where uh, you can keep up with him. Just search his name and you will find him and look forward. I, I have a feeling I'm going to be talking to you uh, again before this year is out because I think you're going to win again. Um, you really uh, you really did a great job. And it, like I said, always fun to see new winners. And last night certainly provided that. Um, it was a very, very interesting night of racing at the Speedway and happy to see you finally crack victory lane and wish all of you guys uh, luck going forward. Hopefully a much more consistently positive end to the season this year than how it started for you, Tony. And uh, thanks for taking some time to be on the show. Awesome, Tom. Thanks for having me. And I uh, hopefully look forward to talking to you again. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision and your budget into a workable, high performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end -end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to The Groove. Camden Proud has joined us. For the first time in a few weeks, and I'm going to actually start this introduction over just because I've been waiting to do this for a while. First time Oswego Speedway feature winner in the Supermodified division who will never get free pizza and wings again from Lighthouse Lanes because he's won the up-and-comer award for the final time, Camden Proud is with us. And uh, Camden, it's uh, great to have you back on the show. And congratulations on finally breaking through. I know $1,000 probably doesn't go as far as it did back in the 70s when they created the $1,000 Club, but you're a member of it. Thank you, Tom. It's an incredible feeling, obviously, and can get used to that introduction you gave me. Well, we can only do it once because you'll never be a first-time feature winner again um, unless you go run a 350 <laughs> and win in that or, in a, or win in your SBS car. Um, so, uh, all right, geez, I don't even know where to start here. But the first thing I'm going to ask is, have you done any research into how many father and son combinations have actually won a feature in any division at the Oswego Speedway because um, I was, I know the Bellingers, obviously, they're probably going to be the only three generation unless the track's there long enough for your kid to win a race. Um, but um, 
I was trying to think about how many other father and son combinations and put it in victory lane at Oswego, and I'm not coming up with a huge list. Michael Muldoon. There's not a ton. Yep, Muldoon's. Todd Gibson and Gene Lee Gibson. That's right. Dave Schulich Sr. and Dave Schulich Jr. Ray Graham and Cody Graham. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Well, more than I thought. Warren and I think Ryan Conium won a feature in the the limited class way back when, I think. So maybe Warren and Ryan Conium. Um, Okay. Pat and Jeff Abelt. Okay. Mike and Max McLaughlin and Mike Cordway Sr. and Jr. is what I've come up with so far, but that's just in the supers. I don't have an SPS list. Okay, so we've got we've got more than I actually. I guess I I probably didn't. Uh, maybe my brain just wasn't letting me recall one of those. But I, I Bellinger's and Muldoon's were the first ones that came to mind when when I thought about it. Um, and uh, you know that's not a long list considering how many fathers and sons have actually raced at the Oswego Speedway over the years. And, you know, I, I, I just, I can't think of any of them, honestly, that have worked harder than, um, than, than Tim and Camden. And I just think it's, it's, it's great. You finally got it. And boy, what a, what a way to do it. First time out for the year after so much, um, you know, just so much uh, stress and adversity and everything that you guys have gone through, you show up for the first time with a super modified after running a, a stellar race with your SBS car a couple of weeks ago, I thought. And you show up with a super and go out and win. That's, I mean, that's got to be. And even after the first race where you had more car problems, gosh, man, could you have ever seen that coming the other night? Not at all. No, just so beyond unexpected to say the least. The car was really good out of the box. We made a lot of changes over the winter and beefed it up and sent the shocks out, made some changes there, and they worked really well. It good. was fast right out of the gate on Friday. We were fast in time trials and in warm-ups on Saturday. And again, in the heat race, had a decent run, but it seemed like the same thing that had happened last year, which was that we were fast all night and then struggled come feature time. And it was it was terrible in the first twin. It was absolutely horrible, and I ended up parking it because it was so loose and we we weren't even sure where we wanted to start, but we called Doug Didero. We threw everything but the kitchen sink at the car, and it was perfect. Wow. Well, it sure looked perfect the second one. Um, I mean, watching you drive, and, and especially now there had to be a moment when, you know, I know you guys all keep an eye on the board. When you saw the 95 in second, there had to be a moment for you where it was like, oh, no. Oh, there was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Ironically, when I was way out front and we were catching traffic, I actually wanted there to be a caution because I thought it would help me as far as cooling the tires down and everything, because I knew when I caught those lap cars that they were going to slow me down quite a bit. The track was really slick and greasy. One groove racetrack for the most part. And the car was just going away on the long run. It had just started to get a little free past halfway. And I figured if I could get a yellow, it would give me a little bit of a reset, cool the tires off. And then maybe on the short run, if we had a short sprint to the finish, it would be a little bit more snug for me. And that's the way it worked out. The only problem was the 95 took second as soon as the (laughs) green flag came back out on the restart. And the next lap I came back around and I saw 95 on the number two spot on the board and from that point on, seriously, I was just laser focused. I never checked the board again the last 12 laps. Well, that's the way to be. I mean, I, I, cause I think you can, 
you know, you, you have to drive in the subconscious. You can't, you can't race in the conscious uh, state of mind because, you know, you can't process things as quickly and make decisions as you can in your subconscious. So you had, I, I would think at that point, yeah, you're just trying to get, you want the next 12 laps to go as fast as possible. You don't want to caution. You don't want a lap car. You just want to get around the track as quick as you can and see the checkered. And, um, Boy, there were moments when it looked like Dave got awfully close, but then the last couple laps, you just uh, you you were able to put a little distance between the two of you because Dave was the one that you know had the uh, the tire issues at the end. Yeah, they were the longest twelve laps of my life, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think it did come down to the tires a lot of it because he had to start in the back both races yep. and probably burn the tires off a little bit more and didn't have quite enough left that he could serve to throw at me at the end but i was pretty concerned i knew that he would at the very least close the small gap that i had and and that restart there where i pulled away from joe and then just as soon as that happened dj went right around him so i knew the gap would be closing quickly and that i would just have to hit my marks not overthink and drive every lap as hard as i could and and that's just pretty much what I did. I, I tried to sort of crawl around the bottom and just kind of tiptoe around the hub rail because I was watching Shulik a couple of weeks ago, and he lets that car drift up high out of four and then just ducks down and mats it, and I was really trying to kind of prevent that from happening. Yeah. And it's it's funny. He, he called me Sunday morning and couldn't have been nicer and was kind of busting on me. He said, you were running my line, and uh, that's you know he did a good job not coming off the hub rail and and that was like I said exactly what I was trying to do so uh, it just <laughs> it all went our way finally. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is now y- you'll never again have to be frustrated because you you haven't been able to win because you've done it. So now you know you can and you know you can hold off the best. You know, I mean, not to say, I, I guess I'll say one of the best at the track right now in, in Schillig. It was no easy win. And, um, you know, people can, um, I, I, there's always that, that faction. Well, he started on the pole. Well, that, I mean, you still got to win. You got to lead every lap, win the thing. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of how it goes now because there's so many even cars. And, you know, Mike Bruce really had the same advantage in the first race. Um, you know, being able right. to start up front makes a big, big difference now. And I mean, it always has, but you know, it's, um, that, that was just an incredible race. And, and, you know, I was cheering and, and really, I just, and, and here's the thing um, I've got to give, I don't know if you've seen the broadcast, you knowing you, you probably watched it 10 times by now, but, um, <laughs> but uh, to, to hear Randy Ritzkis on the mic, just cheering for you the last two or three laps of the race I thought that was really cool. And, you know, there's a school of thought that says, well, if you're on the mic, you're not supposed to be biased. Well, baloney. Um, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you, you go back to, to Ned Jarrett and NASCAR, Daryl Waltrip, you know, those guys when they're, you know, I mean, and granted, you're no relation to Randy, but I just I give Randy a lot of credit because Randy really enjoys seeing the underdogs and, and, and talks about, he does a good job of kind of propping everybody up and hearing him cheer for you. The last couple laps I thought was really cool of him. And, and he, he seemed really, really happy to see you get the first win. Yes. That really meant a lot to me. We were watching it. We had a little viewing party and celebration cookout last night and we were all tearing up watching the last couple laps of the race, listening to Randy, that, that was really special. And, 
to hear Roy on the call, obviously. I've listened to him my whole life. and Yep, me too. Uh, That's how old he is. <laughs> the, the fact that he was still up there announcing to call my first win, just <laughs> just so special. And, um, you know, of course, there, there's always going to be those people, like you said, outside pole. But the way I look at it is I was looking at the podium pictures, and it's like, wow, Joe goes a yeah. 40-year-old veteran. And then, to me, there's nobody else I would have rather had in second and have been able to say that I held him off the hottest driver in super modified racing right now. It, you couldn't ask for a better podium, Dave Schulich Jr. And, and Joe Gozik and to, to get the jump on Joe at the start, just, yeah, I, I'm still speechless. I'm, I'm still really speechless over it and was in total shock and in victory lane, just completely, completely unexpected. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's usually how it happens. And that's why I love the shorter races. And, you know, I know all you guys, your drivers hate them. Um, you don't hate it anymore. Uh, they've produced more first time winners in the twin races over the years, I think, than, you know, probably any other format. But, um, you know, I, I have to correct you because you said Joe Gozik, a 40 year old veteran, you just gave him a nice compliment. Let's fix the record here. Cause I like busting on Joe. Joe is a 67 year old, 40 year veteran is what he, that's accurate. He's an old fart now. And yeah, I mean, it's just great <laughs> to see um, him back on the podium. Honestly, I just, the other night it was. was such a cool night because you won your first, um, and you know, we, we, we've got Tony on the show. Tony won his first in the SBS. And after that crash, he had a couple of weeks ago and now understanding more of, of, of the family story and just how those three kids work together on the car and do what they do. Um, that is a really, really interesting story there. And, you know, and, um, you know, then even in the, the 350 class, I mean, <laughs> Had a little bit of controversy there, but, uh, you know, but it was, I mean, it was, there was just so much seeing Gozik run. Well, it was, that was a really, really cool night where a lot of Mike getting his win, obviously in the first 40 really cool night with a lot of different faces up front and a lot of different people that we got to watch do well. It was a really special night. I'm super happy for the Bruce family. Uh, Tony to Stevens and I have gotten to be pretty close. We're, we're all good friends, our families and, so happy for him. He just needed a confidence booster after that crazy ride he took yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And I just kept telling him, you know, I got to take my own advice. But I yeah. said, Tony, tell yourself I can. You can do it. And just he did everything he had to do because yep. he had to do it. He, he started on the pole and led flag to flag. He navigated lap traffic perfectly. Uh, super proud of him. Super happy for those guys. Great to see Tim Barbo and, and Dave Cliff finally yes, have something 100%. to go their way yep. this year. And then... Joe, of course, to see him back on the podium. I don't know if I said forty years old or forty year veteran, you said but Joe doesn't 40 like forty year to, old veteran yeah. is what you said. That's okay, why I, well, had to, I had to jump in. It was a it. good excuse to bust okay. on Double O Joe here. Um, he hates when I ask him about his age. Absolutely hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why I keep bringing it up. <laughs> he he said to me, "This this wasn't your first win, was it?" And I go, "Yeah." And and anything, really? I said, "Yeah, it was the first. Wow." And it was just kind of a cool moment to share that with him in victory lane, too. So you didn't win anything in quarter midgets? Well, yeah, in quarter midgets. Oh, okay. We won a lot of races and championships, but as far as any full-size car, okay. obviously uh, a lot of seconds, a lot of podiums in the SBS, but this was this was the first one. 
Well, I mean, I knew, I knew that when you came out with the SBS car a couple of weeks ago, which was really sneaky because you didn't really telegraph <laughs> it. You just sort of showed up at practice. Hi, we're here. Um, and, and went out and, and, and ran the way that you did. Um, I knew that you were locked and loaded for whenever the super came back, but of course, not having been able to talk to you, knowing exactly where your dad was and his, you know, challenges or whatever. I didn't know you had talked about the eighth. Wasn't sure if that was still the case. So when, you know, when I, when you were there, it was great. And in practice Friday did so well, 59 and then to, um, you know, to have the, the feature first feature go the way it did. It's like, Oh no, you know, like here we go again, doggone yep, gremlins exactly. get out. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I thought you would win the second race. I mean, I don't know how you could have, especially after the first one, but, but I don't know why, you know, it would, but I was hoping at least you'd get a podium out of it because I knew that alone would have been a confidence booster, but to see you go out win was pretty cool. So we're all, uh, obviously, um, I'm super happy for you, and now you now you'll never be able to again, never uh, again have to to wonder if you can actually get it done because you have, and it makes it much easier now to get more because momentum is a really really funny thing. Um, I hope so. so. I hope you're right. It's uh, well again, it's confidence thing. So now you know you can you can run with the best of them. You can hold off um shoe junior and 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 the rest of them so um good for you so let's dive into a little bit more conversation about um the the rest of the night then we'll come back to your dad for a minute so um again we talked about the 350 class it was good to see cliff get a win but oh my goodness um you know the it's not often you see any real fireworks on track at a Swiggo because I think everybody understands that these cars are open wheel cars. You don't generally, you know, mess too much with each other. Um, and uh, what what happened between uh, Robbie Worth and uh, and Josh Sokolik was just it was bizarro to watch because just not something you're used to seeing, and it, and it just uh, was almost like you know. Um, the two of them just had kind of, you know, had a bug crawl up their butt <laughs> and kind of got into it. Um, I mean, what what did you get out of it from your point of view? Because it looked to me like Josh just tried to expo- express a little displeasure for, um, you know, for what he thought was probably, you know, uh, Robbie, it, at least if in his mind, probably at least being a little careless, putting him almost into the, I think he did actually brush the inside wall in the backstretch there. But, um, and, and then of course, Robbie, um, reacts by, you know, um, making a, let's say a bold move, um, and pushing Josh almost into the inside wall and, you know, track officials parked him. What do you make of all that as a driver? Well, I was watching the board when, I saw the 26 get into the inside hub rail. And then I didn't catch anything after that. I was down at LaVey's pit asking those guys if they needed parts. And then oh, I heard okay. the crowd yell and cheer whatever they were doing and turned around. And I'm like, what the heck are these guys actually doing right now? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and then next thing I knew, Roy came on and said they were both parked. So it's like, what happened? And I had to go in the hauler and back it up on flow. And I, I think the way I see it is Josh wasn't happy with the way that Robbie raced him. Yeah. Uh, Josh let him know that. Um, gave him a little nudge under yellow, and Robbie didn't appreciate that very much either. And um, I can see both sides. 
I wouldn't like being raced that way and not being given a lot of room, but I also really wouldn't like being hit under caution either. So, um, <laughs> it was just a strange deal. I mean, it, it was a strange deal. Yeah. You know, it, you just don't see drivers at a swiggle react on the track that way to each other. And, and, you know, I wanted, I didn't want to say anything in my open or say anything until I at least asked uh, one of you um, to, to, as a driver to sort of, which is a, it's an interesting point of view and I can certainly see both. I also, um, as someone who's been around the sport a long time, I believe the track made exactly the right decision because I don't think you park one without parking the other. So if you're going to make that decision to park one, you got to park both. Um, and driving back up to a podium finish. What an insane ending to that race with Bobby Holmes being out front, running out of fuel. Dave Cliff capitalizes, and that was just like a gaggle of cars coming off a of turn four with Talon, Kyle, Dave, and Bobby, and. Kyle, I don't think, knew which way to go. Ended up going, I think, way up to the outside and yeah. lands in second after pitting with the damaged nose wing. So just a crazy race, really. It was. I mean, that was uh, I, the the classic. I think it was two years ago. Um, I don't think it was last year's. I think it was the one two years ago um, where they had all the cautions. Was the that's the, the the 350 classic. That's what that reminded me of. They just they got into caution fever and just couldn't get rid of it. Um, right. But they had like three times the amount of cars in that race, too. So that really kind of blew my mind to see, um, you know, we had, what, nine or ten cars at most, and, and they just can't stop um, stop crashing and hitting each other. It was a strange race, but it was still an interesting race to watch. And I thought Holmes was obviously going to win it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he runs dry of fuel, and there's Dave Cliff going past you very much. And, uh inherits a win which is that team badly needed they did they needed that and you know what it was they caught a break at the end but the car was so much better tim barba was telling me about the work that pat strawn put in to help them out this past week and they have a ton more speed out of that car now and right there with everybody else so i'm excited for the 50 team and i don't think anyone's mad when dave cliff and tim are in victory lane great great bunch it's a, it's still a competitive division, and it was a lot of fun to watch the back and forth of that. Because, like you said, you know, Kyle Perry had a roller coaster and ended up second. You know, it's 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 um, and and even Talon came back for third. And and I wasn't being derogatory at all by saying I think he just needs. I think that's a rocket ship. I think if you put, you know, an experienced driver in that race car right now that can get the full speed out of it and handle it, that thing would be and when Talon when Talon figures out how to harness that, um, he's gonna be very, very, very difficult to, to beat. Uh and it it's just cool to kind of watch him grow into his feet with that. But um a good run there. It Go is. ahead. Run us down the rest of the finish there. Yeah, Dave Cliff picking up the win in the fifty, twenty Kyle Perry second, seventy nine, Talon Hotsby third. 23 Jason Spaulding fourth and a nice recovery for them after some mechanical yes. issues earlier. Uh, 45 Bobby Holmes coasted to fifth. Seven Nick Kinney was sixth. 26 Josh Jacola credited with seventh. 04 Robbie Worth credited with eighth. And I think he would have had a podium if that didn't oh, all go down. For sure. that's, yeah. That's the best they've ran all year. So um, good to see those guys running better. Yeah, and then absolutely. ninth, the 31 of Nick Barcy. Yeah, and I, and I don't, you know, I don't want to believe. Feel bad for Nick Barcy. My goodness gracious, that that uh, it seems like every week they've got some sort of an issue on that car, and they just can't get past the Gremlins. 
I do. I feel terrible for them too. They just can't catch a break. Whether it was the the accident in practice yeah. a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, and then getting turned into the outside wall in the heat race, and I think touched the foam in practice again yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. So just they've had a really rough go of it. Uh, the car has speed. The potential's there. I think Nick's a good driver, and I hope they just keep plugging and eventually everything will come together because the car is fast. He's going to sure. start up front. Um, maybe not next week because it's year-long handicap. Well, his year-long handicap's not very good either, so he probably will start up front. Yeah. And I, I, I think if he does, he, he's got as good a car to win as anybody in that class right now. Okay, so let's go to uh, let's go to the SBS. We'll save the two super races here for last, um, and uh, talk about uh, now again this SBS. Uh, of course, we had Danny K back in, in this division, but this I thought was a really again intriguing race because uh, you, I mean, Tony took off and and checked out, but boy. There's some guys like Drew Pascuzzi that you can just tell. I mean, and and you still got Ratcliffe who can't who can't seem to get to first. He's done everything but win. Um, you know, you, this is Griffin Miller. You just got, and then you throw Danny into the mix, and of course he, you know, drives through the field like a, you know, a knife and hot butter, um, and gets to say I think ran out of time to get to really get to and deal with Tony. But again, that's part of it, and. Um, some really impressive racing in that division, I thought, on Saturday night between a lot of those guys I just mentioned. Um, back and forth, side by side. Greg O'Connor's in there. Pisa's getting the car dialed in. Again, not, you know, we don't have 24 cars, but boy, the cars we got are very competitive in that class right now. Absolutely. And I love that it went green to checkered. Yes. Everybody can crack all the jokes they want about a couple weeks ago, but. That was just good, clean racing all night, and great job by all the drivers. It certainly helped Tony to Stevens a lot because I know it would have been tough to to hold off Danny Kay on a restart. He was he was coming. Good to see them get the car out as they kind of wait. <clears throat> excuse me to get a couple parts back for the 350. So glad to see him have a good run. And yeah. Noah, I think he's been on the podium. Well, let me see. Yeah, in every single race this season, he's not missed the podium once. It's incredible. I mean. It it and you just I know it's gotta be frustrating as a driver because you just it's like what am I not doing? What more do I have to do? And a lot of times the answer to that question is absolutely nothing. Just keep doing what you're doing and eventually the luck and the timing and the situation is all gonna fall into place. And he's just as liable to go out and rip off three or four in a row as you know uh as he is to 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 never win it's 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 just tough when you have that many cars that are basically all equal on speed because boy it is just hard to pass right now in that division i feel like it is yeah yeah i agree it's it's really tough um it's all the classes are tough they're all very competitive yeah. uh, great great field uh, all these second third year drivers are getting a lot better and they're driving like veterans rather than sophomore or third year drivers Good point. It's, it, it's been excited to watch every exciting to watch everybody develop and drew pascuzzi you mentioned him in, in six races this year he has a fifth a fourth, a fifth, and now another fourth, and he's knocking on the door i think doing a really good job with that car the first ratcliffe chassis actually that that Nate and Noah put together over the off season for him and just miles ahead of where he was this time last year. So uh shout out to, to drew as well. I've been really yeah. impressed with him. 
Well, it's just fun. It's fun to see new faces uh, and, wa- and fun to watch them grow and get better. And Drew has made very quick progress this year. Um, and so uh, great to see Danny back, even if it's only, uh, you know, here and there for the for that particular car, because I know he's uh, they're going to concentrate on the 350 later. But um you know, good to see him back. And, and, and honestly, and, and I think even he would understand why I say this, it was good to see him come back and not right away, just go spank the field because I, it, <laughs> well, I mean, because I think for Tony, it's like, just like when you saw the 95, you know, Tony looks up and, and sees the 23 and it's like, Oh boy. But you I know, know. I- I mean, Danny just didn't get close enough, and and um, it would have been fun to see if Tony could have held him off, just like you did with Dave. Um, it funny to to see, if, uh, interesting to see if Tony could have held him off. But um, you know, you um, it's it's good to see that that you know that that happened that way because I know that Danny probably the next time he races, if Mike Bond's not in the field, Danny probably will win. <laughs> you know, it's like I think Mike's got he's he's set the twenty three up just fast enough to finish second to him. Is the way? Oh, that could be the way that I look at it. At least that's what we've observed so far, right? Um, you know, so it's it's funny to to kind of uh, poke some sport at all that. But but again, good to see Danny back in a strong run for him and that team. And um, I really want them to get that 350 dialed in because I'd love to see that Joya chassis go back to victory or go to victory lane. Um, and I know that it's capable of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, me too. And Danny and I have been texting a little bit about that, and they found some things with the car that they're going to correct. And I'm sure once they get it back out here, the first race in August, it'll be much better. And then I know that both the 23 and the 74 are racing Mr. SBS next weekend, so that'll be fun. Danny's chasing a record that probably would be really hard for anyone to ever duplicate again if he can get it, and that is... He won in a super stock, which is not a weekly class anymore, and that he's obviously won bunches in the SBS. If he can win in the 350 and then somebody, please God, give him a winning ride in a super, big block super, um, and he goes out and wins a race in that, he would be the only driver in the Swiggo Speedway history to win in all four weekly divisions at the track. Um, in the modern era and since street stocks aren't running weekly or super stocks aren't running weekly anymore um, that would be a really really tough one to break because there aren't too many guys that would even run one of those let alone have a chance to win griffin miller but he'd he'd have to go in in the other couple classes so um, that would be a very unique record that i definitely is within danny's grasp if he gets the right opportunities that's a good point. I have no doubt in my mind that they'll have that 350 in winning shape here shortly. And Danny's proven every time he's got in a big block how capable of a driver he is. Yep. Um, I'd like to see him get another opportunity. Uh, it just seems like he's had no luck in the opportunities he has gotten, either with the Sorrells or with Jason Simmons racing a couple of years ago in the Classic. So, yeah, it'd be fun to see him in a big block again. Thank you. You know, it's kind of, it's hard to just jump in one of those occasionally and go out and beat the guys that do it every week. I think you really got to have a weekly opportunity to, to, because I'm sure it's, I mean, and you can attest, oh, you haven't driven a 350, I don't think, but uh, obviously it's a much different animal than the SBS. And I think it's even different from a 350, though it's, that car is a little more native to the big block, obviously with the chassis, but the the top wing, the motor, the tire combination, I would think would still make it, uh, 
you know, make it a, a bit of a different where, you know, it's just hard to jump in a big block, super modified, and go beat the guys that do it every week. Oh, it is. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's a big difference in driving style between the, the big block and the SBS. I had no problem running the SBS and then jumping back in the big block. But when I drove the SBS, I was driving it way too much like a big block. And it's kind of funny. I pulled in the pits, took like three, four laps, made sure everything was okay at that fast Friday. And I came in and my sister Cassidy's going, O's. I said, O's, 19 O's already. Let's park it. And she goes, no, 20.0. Ah. <laughs> I said, oh, wow. I, 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 oh, boy. <laughs> boy, humble shit in a hurry, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I'm going to stay in the car. I better go back out there and start yeah. driving this like an SBS. Yeah. Let's, well, <laughs> again, it's all the programming is different for everything. And, and, you know, a lot of fans don't realize that, you know, when you when you do that, when you drive a race car, you're building a mental program. And it basically that's what's telling your, you know, your limbs, right? When to lift, where to you're not doing this consciously every single lap at, at you know, 140 miles an hour. It's a program. And um, when you get out of the super and go to the SBS car, it's an entirely different race car. It requires a different that you got to go back and find that program again. Um, kind of like going from a stand up base to a, you know, a, an electric base or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's just a completely different driving style. And so, um, it, it is, it does make it, that's why it's tough to jump back and forth. And even the drivers that used to go from supers to modifieds in, you know, and run, if you can be successful in both of those things, because again, huge differences between those two cars, and especially back in the seventies, um, you know that was really those guys were great, just great pure racers. Because it's hard to uh, you know to do both do two different kinds of cars like that in the same day. Very difficult, and it impresses me, especially the guys like Dave Cliff, for example, who have run both classics in the same day and i know there's been more uh that's uh that is a tall task to do my Absolutely. dad wants me to do that this year if he's not up to it and i said yeah no i, I don't think so that's not it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah that's just that's a uh, boy that's just a lot and you know especially now because everything's so specialized and and uh you know that would be especially like for classic i would think that would be physically um tiring if nothing else and also mentally difficult to doing that sort of basketball bounce back and forth um but uh, okay so uh i think we need to go through the sbs finish yes uh first the 24 tony to stevens and congrats to those guys on their first win and just what an incredible job by this young team and joy to stevens to literally rebuild the entire car 100%. two weeks ago and have it back for the next race so congratulations again guys uh second the 23 danny k third the 73 Noah ratcliffe fourth his teammate 72 drew pascuzzi fifth the 90 greg o'connor keeps his top five streak going has not finished outside of the top five once all year so uh great year for greg uh six was the nine of griffin miller seventh the 62 dj schumann eighth the 10 mike fowler Ninth, the 77, Cameron Rowe. Tenth, the 66, Derek Hilton. Eleventh, the 26, Jake Brown. Twelfth, the 35, A.J. Larkin. Thirteenth, the 89, Tony Pisa. Fourteenth, the 2, Jordan Sullivan. Fifteenth, the 27, Steve Bradshaw. And sixteenth, well, did not start, actually, was Carter Gates. He had a tough shot into the outside wall in his heat race. Yeah, Carter's another one at the track that's just had 
just a, a terrible um, year luck-wise, and I, I hate that. I uh, hate seeing drivers that, that go through that because I know how expensive they are to fix, and it's just, you know, it, it kind of wears on you, obviously, time and, and just like, gosh, what do I have to do? Um, so hopefully Carter uh, will turn his luck around going forward and be able to have some better uh, better racing, but um, definitely glad to, to, to see him there and see him supporting. Um, and like I said, 16 cars in the division, but man, what a competitive bunch it is. And that I look forward to that race every single week now um, because you just really never know who's, you know, who's going to win from week to week. And that brings us to the big box and two features both won uh, by obviously yourself, who has never won, and Mike Bruce, who has won once and desperately needed to win again. And I think, um, I guess, could we? Is this technically his first big block win as a car owner? Because I think he was driving for Rich Worth before, right? Was that was that Rich's car before? It was. Yeah, yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. So it's Mike's first yeah. win as an owner. I I I. Uh, I thought about that afterward and, and, you know, it's, I don't know if it's sweeter or not sweeter, but I think when, when you are the owner and you know that you're the only one that you're, you know, depending on really other than obviously your team to, to, to make it happen. And you're, you know, you're putting all the money in and you know, whatever, and doing all the marketing or whatever else you do, you know, that's, um, it's a pretty incredible deal. So it was good to see him get that. And, you know, I actually, again, I thought there was some great racing in both races. Um, the, n- not necessarily for the lead, especially in your, in your case, you just got gone, but, um, but certainly, um, you know, some great racing throughout the field and, and, and some different drivers that were up front. That first race was really uh, quite interesting, I thought. I thought so, too. It was great to see Michael Barnes out and come yeah. up through the field. And Schulich, of course, we knew that was going to happen. And just a great run for Mike to get the jump on Timmy Schneider. And, uh, Brandon Bollinger eventually found his way underneath Tim for a podium. Uh, those guys have kind of had some bad luck this year. So yep. good to see them back up front. Great for the Bruce family. We're actually pitted right next to each other. So that's kind of oh, cool. ironic. A couple, couple former SBS guys. And we started next to each other in our heat in the same row. So just kind of funny the way all that played out. So, yeah, that was a good feature. Um, I was happy to see Timmy Snyder hold his own for a top five. Those guys uh, have been working really hard this year, and I'll tell you, they have a lot of speed out of that car. And uh, right now, this is the best that Tim has ran in, in quite a while. He he had a real chance to win that feature a couple of weeks ago if the car didn't start to go sideways on him. Yep. So um, it's always good to see the zero back up front too. Yeah, it is, and 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 also uh, while we're talking about hard luck, my gosh, if your name was Leve the other night. Um, Goodness gracious, both Lou Jr. and Sr. had uh, incidents the other night. Those guys didn't have bad luck. They've had, they would have no luck at all. I feel terrible for the 66 team, and Me they've too. had a ton of speed out of the car. And Lou Jr. has had speed out of that car for the past few years, and just no luck. He's been in position to win races and had to go in the pits while leading. Just brutal. Um, and unfortunately, I think they both just lost the handle on the cars uh, in that first feature and Lou jr. Wasn't able to make repairs and, uh, Lou senior did. I think he, well, yeah, he must've been out there for a little while. Cause I ended up going around him and yeah. lap traffic. He was one of the ones that was making me so nervous when I was catching all of them. So I know he was, he was back out. So, um, yeah, uh, just terrible luck for those guys, but the speed is there in both cars and I hope it turns around for them soon. 
Yeah, me too. All right, let's start with the first 40. Let's go ahead and, uh, and, and read through the finish. First 22, Mike Bruce. Second, the 02, Brandon Bellinger. Third, 95, Dave Schulich. Fourth, the 0, Tim Snyder. Fifth, the 68, Michael Barnes. Sixth, the 39, Allison Slode. Seventh, the 52, Dave Danzer. Eighth, the 05, Jeff Abeld. Ninth, the double zero, Joe Gozik. Tenth, the 01, Danny Connors. Eleventh, the 90, Jack Patrick. Twelfth was myself. Thirteenth, the 98, Tyler Thompson. Fourteenth, the 66, Lula Sr. Fifteenth, the 75, Brian Osetic. And sixteenth, the 83, Lula Vey Jr. Mm. And uh, let's go ahead. We'll read through the finish and then talk a little bit about race two. Go ahead. Okay, well, I won. <laughs> Feels good. To, that's not going to get old to say that. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> Dave Schulich, second with the 95. Third, the double zero, Joe Gozik. Fourth, the 05, Jeff Abel. Fifth, the 52, Dave Danzer. Sixth, the 68, Michael Barnes. Seventh, the 39, Allison Slode. Eighth, the zero, Tim Snyder. Ninth, the 02, Brandon Ballinger. Tenth, the 22, Mike Bruce. Eleventh, the 75, Brian Osetic. 12th the 90, Jack Patrick. 13th, the 01, Danny Connors. And 14th, the 66, Lula Vey Sr. So um, the the thing I wanted to talk about from race two is is just the, the how some of the guys, yourself included, were able to turn things around from race one. And uh, that Joe was another one that, that uh, had a great finish, obviously, podium in race two. And you got some guys like Jeff Abel that, um, I mean, again, Jeff's not having a Jeff kind of year so far. And it, you know, obviously you want everybody to be at their peak, right? And, um, but, but the fact that Jeff's been off a little bit has opened the door for some other folks. And, and it just has made this, you know, despite, again, despite, you know, we all wish there were 24 cars, but it has been a really interesting year. Cause again, from week to week, you just never quite know. And that's, I love these shorter races because it gives us a chance to see some new faces race up front. And, um, you know, I just thought that was a really entertaining night of racing on Saturday night. And I was really happy to see all the different faces that we were focusing on um, as, you know, as opposed to maybe some of the ones that we traditionally do. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> um, you know, it's everybody's just so even right now. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. If you look at the qualifying times, uh, the slowest lap was a 16.6. Um Let's see, 12th through 1st were 16-2 or faster. 11th through 7th were all 16-1. 6th through 2nd were all either a high 15-8 or mid to high 15-9. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out just as a way of, of, again, it's like I I can have all my opinions, but I don't think anybody really cares, frankly. But the... Uh, we, we, we saw a social media post that went around, has been going around, I think, you know, the last day or two with some sort of a letter from, I guess it was from Steve Joy about having a test day where you kind of throw the the gates open and, you know, let people try anything they want or whatever. I don't exactly know what it's all about, but it seems like there's there was at least some sort of school of thought that maybe the cars are just too fast right now and we ought to slow them down. Um, now I personally would agree just as a, an observer, I think a fairly educated observer of, of three and a half decades, well, actually 50 years as a fan, but, um, that, that, um, slower makes for better racing. I think the faster you go, 
um, you know, the harder it is. But at the same time, I feel like if everybody slows down the same amount and we don't make the 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 race cars more, um, if we continue to stick them to the track like glue, um, everybody's going to slow down the same amount, but there may not be any more actual passing or whatever. I, I don't really, I guess I'm a little confused what that exactly was about. And what are your thoughts as a racer? I mean, I know y'all want to go as fast as you can, but at what, I mean, do we, what, what are your thoughts on when you read something like that? What are you thinking about? I think the letter that's going around is actually an older letter from earlier this year that was sent out to teams about this test day. And I don't even know if anybody's going to participate in it, but yes, just basically an open invitation for guys to bring their cars to the track and try whatever they want and sort of give the officials and tech some, some feedback. I don't know how much it's going to help them. Honestly, you'd have to see how the cars raced and i think we know how they raced with the tail sections compared to the rear wing and then with the shovel tails compared to the tail sections so um it you know what i i'm not gonna lie i think the best racing was with the shovel tails if i had to choose i agree that's what we would but that's what we would go back to i mean it's it's kind of an interesting thing it's like you know, because I mean, everybody knows how I feel. If I if I were, you know, if I'm, if I, it'll never happen, of course. But if I ever owned the track, I would. The first thing I'd do is get rid of wings, except for bringing in Isma. But um, you know, I I think the cars looked better. Um, I think they, and I I think you you just there's there's sort of this this school of thought that 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 you know we can't we're sort of where we are and that's where we're going to be and we can't do anything about it we can't and i i've never believed that you can't do something different people can say it's a step back they can say well gosh if you do that then i got to rebuild my car well you know we're we're it's just an interesting thing and i hadn't seen the letter and i think somebody in one of the comments said the test was canceled um at least for this month so i don't know it might be i don't know any of what (laughs) you know and that's why i wanted to bring it up because i wanted to know what you knew about it because it just seems so random at this point in the year for them to be thinking about and then to say in there that you know maybe we we would implement something different for 23 if everybody was and i'm thinking what in the world would you change with you know a handful of races left in a season that that you know that would make sense and so i don't know i i it's it's just sort of interesting to to be an observer now because you know you've you've got the 350s are as divided as the big blocks ever were at this point and 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 you know, and then we we decided. Now, what is you? What, what do you know about going back to Friday time trials? What was this the state? Because I never saw a reason for that. I can think of one or two that would be make sense as a reason. I don't know if they're really <laughs> the best reasons to do it. But I, I, what 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 are you hearing about that? Because that seemed again, it seems like a very late decision. Yeah, it, it was. I think it kind of frustrated people that it was late. Um, they talked about it at the driver's meeting a little bit. And I think what Chuck wanted to do was just lock in, warrant it. But the main reason he gave was that there was a lot to get in on Sunday. And if there was rain on Sunday, they would have to come back Monday and do everything all over again. So uh, that was the reason he gave. And some people like it. Some people hate it. Um, I don't know. I don't really care either way that much. I think we would have practiced Friday anyway, but I also live three blocks from the track. So, 
Well, and see, that was sort of my 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 thought is when they were doing it all the way they were, like they released it and it was all one day. Now, again, I totally agree with, you know, there's no wiggle room in the program for rain. So if it rains, you're either there until three in the morning or you're, you know, I mean, it's it. There was a lot to try to do in that span of time. On the other hand, um, I also saw it from the standpoint of being both a savings of dollars for the teams traveling because they don't have to be in a hotel all weekend. Um, they can come in and drive up. And then and I thought that's why the original purpose for it was, you know, it was going to be a one day show. And then um, they announced that they you could practice on Friday, which to me defeated the purpose of having the one day show, because as soon as you open it up to practice, every team's going to want to do it because they're all that, you, you know, you're a driver, you know how that goes. It's like, I, you know, I don't want to lose an edge because somebody got, you know, 40 extra practice laps than me. So, um, so now everybody's, <laughs> so you might, that, it, it, at that point, my thought was when I saw this announcement, well, if they're going to have a practice, they might as well qualify because they're all going to show up anyway. But then right. the problem is now you're back to losing maybe some cars from New England who just don't want to spend the money to race all weekend unless you say, well, you can come in on Sunday and we'll we'll give you laps. But if if you're just time trialing for 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th or whatever the heck the spots are, um, you know, I I don't know that that's really much of a consolation. So I I don't know. It's um it's just interesting. And I and and I'm not. I, you know, like you, I mean, even if I were, which I, I'm not positive if I'm coming up or not, but it, it, to me, I have a place to stay. It doesn't matter to me, except, you know, I look at it like we need every single car we can get. We need every single fam we can get. And, you know, at this point, cause we don't have enough of either. So it's like, you know, anything that you do that costs you cars or fans is, you know, would seem to be, um, you know, not necessarily the right thing, but um, I'm just trusting that somebody knows more than I do about why it was done and, and the positive effect it's going to have. If it's going to cost us four New England 350s, then that's a bad move because we don't have enough of those. Um, and those are the guys you want at the Classic because you want it to be an all-star race. That's the prestige of it to begin with. Um, and so I guess we'll have to see, hopefully everybody will still be able to show up and still, you know, compete, but, um, you know, just thought that was, um, uh, that was a bit of a head scratcher too, but, um, okay. So what do we got coming up? Uh, I know we're off this week for Isma Berlin. How many Oswego cars do we know of that are going to support that show? I honestly don't know. Um, my assumption is probably not a lot. I think uh, I would think Jeff Abold would probably go out, perhaps. Um, uh, yeah, I thought maybe Abold, LeVay, and that's about it because historically this year and at the end of last year, those are the only ones that have traveled anyway. Yeah. So um, it's, well, it's, it's too bad. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, you, you kind of align the schedule so everybody would, you know, and you're in, it's just not, uh, not working out. But on the other hand, um, I still think Berlin's going to be a great show because there's a lot of competitive cars in Ohio and you're going to have, um, you know, you'll have one or two from the swiggle, maybe goes, it will go. Um, although he doesn't have the backup car anymore. Um, you know, but, um, it's, 
you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And I know uh, um, J- uh, Jeff Striegel has done an amazing job of putting those shows together. So I hope that oh, they get yeah. good support. He is really, yeah. you know, um, I hope they I hope they get the support and, and get a good field out there. Um, so the I next, so. Uh, what's happening? What do we got? Uh, I know we're off, like I said, this coming week. What's happening the rest of July? And take us, might as well take us through right to to the end of August here. We know what happens on Labor Day weekend. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yes, next Saturday, July 22nd, is the Seas Beverage 36th annual $10,000 to win night. So 10000 to win for the Supers, 75 laps, 1500 to win Mr. Pathfinder Bank SBS, 2000 to win Mr. JNS Paving 350 Super. Okay. Uh, that'll be 30 laps, 35 laps for the SBS. Yeah. So uh, big night coming up to end July. We're off uh, the following weekend, the 28th and 29th, for the Sandusky High Miler. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Saturday, the 5th of August, is Retro Night Old Timers Reunion and round two of the Super Twin 40s, which I absolutely love now, even though I said I hated the idea before. Sorry, Chuck, I love the idea now. Yeah, I was wrong. (laughs) I should have thought more about that before I made my decision. Yeah, Yeah, I told him, hey, your handicapping's great. Thank you so much for the redraw. Yeah, well, you're probably not starting on the poll the next time, just so you know, but who knows? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, Win challenge round three. (laughs) Overall challenge four on Saturday, August 12th is my MSS. SBS and 350 Supers, and then track championship night on August 19th, presented by Best Western at Clearing Hotel and Suites in McGrath's Pub. Uh, autographs and fireworks, Novella Super Modified Track Championship, Pathfinder Bank SBS Track Championship, and the JNS Paving 350 Super Track Championship all on the line that night. Off the last week of August, and then, of course, the 67th annual edition of Classic Weekend. And a fun weekend, Stock Car Spectacular on Friday, Modified Madness on Saturday, and then, of course, Super Sunday. Well, it should be uh, should be a fun rest of the year. Looking forward to uh, being able to keep up with it. And, um, you know, obviously classic to end it, end the season. Uh, Camden, congratulations again on on getting what we all knew, I believe, was eventually going to come. Uh, and um, what a great way to I'm sure that um, your dad's in much better. Well, I was going to say, I'm sure your dad's in much better health today, but I, I know how um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like when you guys party, um, I think you mentioned that you had a light cookout and uh, get together. Um, there is nothing light when when you guys party. Um, so your dad might not be in such good health today, but it probably has less to do with the challenges he's faced than it does uh, that maybe he enjoyed um, enjoyed the libations a bit much, but I, I he had to just be over over the moon and i saw obviously the victory lane celebration and all that but i mean that's just unbelievable um and it just goes to show boy the lord works in strange ways sometimes and um you know it uh, sure. had to make that all that much sweeter for all the adversity that came before well, you're right about how he's feeling today. I think that's more of a hangover than anything. Uh, <laughs> the both of you. <laughs> the both of us. Yes. Uh, I'm working on a two-day hangover, but yeah. he's he's doing the best that he has been all summer right now. And all the serious stuff they've looked into as far as this dizziness, they're 
they're looking inner ear now, so they're referring him to an ENT, so it's much less serious than what we thought. Um, but before you boot me off here, if, if I can thank my sponsors and some people that I missed in Victory Lane because I showed I was a, a first-time winner by missing some people. And, yeah, I, I knew uh, that, but I wasn't going to bring it up. I was going to just – I was going to put the question out to you, but that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, i had been feeling really bad about it, and um, my girlfriend's like, why do you feel so bad? And it's just – I've dreamed of this moment, of course, for so many years, and you rehearse this stuff in your head over and over again, and you get down there, and it's just the shock and the adrenaline mm, of it all. But, you don't even know what your name is at that point. <laughs> right, right. So – I did get all the sponsors except the sponsor that was presenting the whole race for that night. So that was a big goof. So I'm really sorry <laughs> to Compass Credit Union and Danny Kay. They've been with us since 2014 when we started with the SBS. And uh, it was great to put a Compass Credit Union sponsored car in Victory Lane on Compass Night. So thanks to Compass. Uh, thanks to Ken's Body Shop, Jeff Jones and Indy Jones. They've been my our primary sponsor for 30 straight years, starting with my dad's racing in 1994. And if it wasn't sponsoring my dad, it was sponsoring Uncle Chris, me through quarter midgets, SBS, and all the way until now. So um, glad to get uh, Ken's Body Shop super modified and, and Victory Lane. Uh, Rob Finn at Ontario Accessibility Solutions, Trisha and Leo Babcock from Eastside Nutrition, Dave Hill at Oswego Quality Carpet. Brian Haynes from MartinPC.com jumped on board this year. Really can't thank him enough for his support. Uh, my Aunt Carrie from Howard Hanna Real Estate. Uncle Chris at Integrated Marketing in Liverpool. And also Miller Machine and Mechanical has helped us out. Um, my crew, of course, my dad, Wade Lovegren, who's just been our right-hand man for the last, I think, three seasons now, puts in all the hours at the shop. He actually went on vacation uh, this past weekend, and I think he really wishes he didn't. But, um, <laughs> See what he gets? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I just told him that only means we have to get another one for you, Wade. There you so, go. Uh, thanks for everything you do, buddy. Uh, thanks to Rich Petruco. Him and I have gotten to become great friends, and he stepped up this week and kind of filled in for Wade. Uh, oh, cool. Steve Wallen, who is Timmy Snyder's crew guy and has been for years, um, but also helps us whenever he possibly can. And my uncle Chris, he's been telling me over and over again, well, dad and I are both on the win list. You got to join us. And, and there it is. And, um, was there for his first win, was there for my dad's first and to share my first with both of them, just so special. And, uh, the most important special thanks is, is Doug Didero. And I, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little choked up. Um, if it wasn't for him believing in me and the opportunity that he gave me, um, before last season, this would have never been possible for me. So um, I look up to him so much, and he's like, <laughs> he's just like an idol to me. And I just can't tell you how much he's done and the help he's been. So without his help and knowledge and, and friendship and being there for us every step of the way, believing in me, um, jumping up and down on his patio chair the other night watching <laughs> floor racing. Um, Thank you, Doug, for everything, and I just felt terrible. I didn't mention him in victory lane, but that guy is an incredible person and a great friend and one of the best race car drivers to ever do it. So thank you so, so much, Doug. Um, and thank you to Doug Holmes, my mom, for being my biggest fan, Cassidy for doing everything in the pits, interning with the Speedway social media because I can't do it on Saturdays, um, my girlfriend um, for 
<laughs> putting up with all this craziness and uh, being here from Norway to see the first one. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa, my cousins, Colton and Cody. And then also to Tom Salvador, who picked me in his race pool on Saturday and <laughs> came over and <laughs> donated the money to Proud Motorsports. Oh, that's cool. In victory lane. So thanks, Tom. And I hope this time I didn't screw it up and I got everybody. Sorry for getting a little emotional, but well, that's about the, the fifth time I've cried in the last 48 hours. So. Well, I'm sure it won't be the last. I know you well enough to know how much you uh, take things to heart and appreciate everything everybody does for you. Uh, I must, however, correct the record to say that you do not look up to Doug Bagdaro. You look down, but you do look up to him in terms of being a mentor. Just because <laughs> I needed to get yeah. a laugh out of you to end this interview because I didn't want you to yeah. cry on your way off the show, uh, yeah. you know, Sorry, Doug. I had to. I'm short too. We're about the same height, so you know. Um, but uh, no, that it was. It was a great night of first in Oswego. Great for. I mean, again, the family. This is. I keep talking about the generational thing, and you know, two more examples. The the you know you, um, the 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 proud family, the De Stevens family, um, two teams that are at their core. Um, you know, family run teams, family owned, family run teams get first wins and um just just great to see that and uh look forward to what you can do the rest of the season so uh, appreciate you uh appreciate you coming on here uh i think we got you about uh three quarters of the way over your hangover and um we hope <laughs> hopefully you'll get you'll actually get some work done this week before uh the next race so um congratulations to you and the family and uh to all of our winners from saturday that was fun um and you know we were off last week so uh didn't get a chance to mention the 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 last wing challenge show um yet uh i will uh have some comments in my next segment but um just great to see another good turnout of cars and um you know i'm starting to to suspect uh a, a little bit of uh, uh a fishy thing here without drawing the pool and just driving away sorry john i had to <laughs> have fun with that segment <laughs> yeah well no look it was a great great turnout and and you know you just uh you just gotta have some fun here john has just done so much work for this and and you know um you you, you can't go without busting his chops a little bit because it the, i mean you gotta admit man it's it's a little coincidental isn't it that we're having redraws for the feature and the man draws pole twice and just drives away um you know uh again i'm kidding john but um no that was a good race now now that you're out okay because we've got another one he's left you had talked about trying to run it so here's a, a a good i'll get you out of here on this question because i think it's a fair one now that you put it up front and want a feature does that change the you know the mindset of you to to we know the wing setup's going to be different do you dare mess with the race car the way it's running now to throw a wing on top to try to go support the wing challenge? I know your heart might want to, but what is your mind telling you at this point? We were just talking about that right before we started recording. My dad and I were, and obviously we're going to do 10 grand to win. Uh, still kind of one week at a time, but okay. um, we'll do the twin forties again. If that goes well, <laughs> and August 12th is, uh, is kind of up in the air. We've talked about, running the wing and uh, we've also talked about bringing the SBS back out so it could go either way uh, we do pretty much have all the wing stuff and uh, it, 
I really want to support John. It just he was also one of the first guys over to to Dad and I Saturday in Victory Lane and spent super super kind to us and very said some very nice thoughtful things about this win and um just really appreciate everything he's doing for super modifieds and would love to support him so for now i don't really have an answer but we will more than likely be there in some capacity with one of the cars all right so that was a nice sidestep to end the segment and probably what you should have done at this point uh, to not get yourself in trouble so we'll see as we get closer how things are going but uh i just thought i'd throw that out because i know that's a big consideration um you know and 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 the fact that you actually have the car you know uh where you can go out with a race it's it's you know there's got to be at least some school of thought that gosh i don't know if we want to mess it up um but i you know so it'll be it'll be fun um hearing how the tug of war goes in your mind over the next couple weeks here if you win another feature um then you know uh we'll see how that even plays into it but um we'd love to see you try the wing because i know that's something you've always wanted and and uh it's a a year of firsts so it's kind of like throw caution to the wind and just go do it um so there you go you're welcome Welcome, John. Um, and we'll be we'll be we'll be back with more of the inside group. Thanks to Camden for taking the time to talk with us and uh, more of uh, the show coming up right after this. Experience the age old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for a nice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs, or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, La Groff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on lagroffs.com. Welcome back to the show as we head into our final segment here. This is, of course, What's in a Number And we're going to be studying the number 22 in relevance to Oswego Speedway and super modified history. And um, I'm going to throw in Ray Graham into this mix because I completely with the 21 number forgot Cody in the last show. And it's always that way. It's there's always, and that's why I do this segment. It's fun because, you know, we get uh, whether it's Larry Trinka or Robert Metcalf, two of our super super fans, um, the uh, or someone else will jump in and say, "Well, you forgot this one or that one," and it makes for conversation, and that's the whole point. Um, but I want to throw Ray Graham in because I think twenty two, if I remember correctly, was Ray's number in the limited now SBS Super Division. Um, so we'll start with with that but now i want to go way back and uh after i'm done with this portion of this segment i'll have some final thoughts and um and then we'll close but i want to go way back to when i started in 1973 now 
I'm, and again, I'm not positive that this was 73. It might have been 74. But the first 22 that I remember was a yellow car, and I think it may have been the old Brian Osgood uh, 09, which was an ex-Swift car, I think. And um, I don't know who the car owner was at the time, at this, at this time. I don't know who the car owner was. But um, Gary Kelly, I think, was driving it when I first remember it. I think it was Kelly first. And I think Tom Rose was in the four. And I'm not sure if that was Ralph Wissing's four or not. Because I seem to remember that, that the four car competed for a year or two with Tom Rose in it. And then... I don't know if he and Gary Kelly just swapped rides or what the situation was, but um, I think Tom Rose ended up in the 22, if I remember right, for a bit. And then um, I'm trying to remember where that car went because it, uh, the, the, that was the older Swift car, and I, I don't. I'm trying to remember where it went. Kind of, I think it's the one that Russ Sauter ended up with. Um, right around '81. But I'm trying to remember what happened to it between those times, because this would have been the Swift car that Swifty built in, I think '68, maybe and ran it till 72 and then built the new and then well no cuz that one went to Bali um so i maybe i'm i'm off somewhere here um cuz that Bali bought that version of the car no he didn't either um ed well no that is right isn't it no Bali had that had the had the swift car in 72 because don mclaren drove it oh yeah right so that's this is what happened so swift swift built a car in 68 and ran it through 71 i think and then that's the car bowie bought now the 72 car um no i don't think he built another new one for 73 i think that's the one he had through 70 75 that bentley bought so um Gosh, I don't know what car this 22 was that I'm thinking of. I thought it was a Swift car, but now I'm confused. So uh, maybe somebody can uh, maybe somebody can straighten me out here. Um, it also may have been that that um, I may be missing a Swift car in the late 60s that he built. I don't know, but um, I think that was a Swift chassis. But but it may not have been. But anyways, that yellow 22. Um, was the first one that I remember. And then uh, that only ran for maybe a year, if that. I don't even know if it ran every week, but I do remember it being there. Now, the next 22 that I remember, and I'm trying to think hard here because in the 70s, 
you know, obviously with all the cars we had, there were a lot of one-offs and <clears throat> number, you know, temporary number changes. Somebody come in as one number and have to make it a different one because <clears throat> a home track uh, racer had it. Um, but I think the next 22 that I remember would be Joe Hawksby, the Colonel. Now, this would be Joe Sr., obviously. And I believe his first car was, I think he bought his first car from Burt Pitcher. And I think, uh, or Fang, as I now realize, uh, I don't know if Burt was called Fang or the car was called Fang. I, I haven't quite ever figured that out. But um, Burt was the first, um, he was the first young, well, I was going to say he was the first youngest driver in Speedway history, obviously. <laughs> What's the youngest driver before him? But I think he was the first one under 18. I think he was only 17, and I think he had to get his parents to write him permission or whatever, and I don't even know what else. But um, he ran maybe, what was it, 76, perhaps? And then maybe Joe started in 77. He bought the car from Bert. Um, I know I'm not too far off. Could have been 76 into 77 or 77 into 78. I've forgotten. But Bert, uh, I think only ran a year. I don't know why. But then um, Joe bought the car and ran it for that car was the X Roy Murphy 13. Those of you who are longtime fans remember that car was the green 13 with a shamrock on it. I think it debuted in 1972 and Jack Murphy drove it. Irish Jack. And, um, it was, it just, you know, Jim Muldoon ran it several times, had a bunch of drivers. We detailed that when we talked about the 13 back, uh, you can go find that show in our archives. Um, just go to steeringwheelnation.com and on the front page, the homepage, there's a player for each of our shows. Just go down the groove. You'll find it. Um, scroll down, click on the groove player and then click on the playlist below the the current show and you'll uh you'll scroll down and eventually find it but we we detailed the drivers of that car extensively but um that's the car i believe that joe bought first and he ran that for i don't even know how long um probably th maybe a a year or two and then um, I don't know where that car went after Joe was done with it because Joe ended up buying, I think he bought the 68 car from Jim Muldoon or maybe did he buy that first? I'm sure I don't remember if the 68 was first or the 22 was first, but he bought, I think he bought the, 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 uh, th I think he bought the car first from Burt Pitcher and then ended up buying the 68 car, I think, from Jim Muldoon, which would have been the old Nick Virgo 23 that Jim reworked in the, I think, 74 season, maybe, or 75. And um, and Joe drove that. And then the next car that Joe had was the former John Corb 37. The car that Freddie Graves, that orange 37 that Freddie Graves won his first feature in in 72, I think. 
And Sammy Carista drove it, and Freddie drove it again, then Sammy drove it again, and then <laughs> that went back and forth. Uh, Ron Graves drove it one night. Mike Rizzo drove it in a, an invitational race one time. Um, Jim Muldoon drove it for a couple different seasons, I believe. And it's funny how some drivers back in that day, their their careers sort of mirrored each other. And, and Joe Hawksby and Jim Muldoon were employees at Niagara Mohawk, both of them. Joe was a lineman, and I can't remember what what Jim did specifically with the power company, but um, that was the local power company in Oswego. And uh, Jim Gray also worked there. So they were all buddies. And so they're... The, you know the their careers they they drove some of the same cars and, and it was almost like um joe would get the hand-me-down so you know jim would drive it and then joe would buy it and jim would drive it joe would buy it it's in some ways and then jim would drive joe's car you know muldoon sometimes and um he also drove for Jim Gray one night or subbed for Jim Gray i remember in the double zero car for for uh for uh uh tony osetic back in the day um i think jim had to work one night jim gray and so jim muldoon drove it and so their their careers kind of intersected but joe i think the corb car was was joe's third car the the old 37 and joe raced that for a little bit and then ended up driving a few different cars for Mike Kapazinski, who was Joe's dad, or sorry, Danny's dad, um, <laughs> Danny Kay's dad. Um, and they had, um, one of them was 22, and then there were some other numbers, uh, 04, I think was one or whatever. Um, Mike had, Mike Kapazinski had different numbers on his cars, all the time. And so the, I think Joe might've driven the zero for, for, for Mike one time, that was a different car. Um, and I think maybe only once, but, um, gosh. And so Joe had the 22 for, I'm going to say he had the 22 for probably, five, six years. And then, like I said, drove for capper and had some different numbers then ended up. I think he bought a, a capper car. And I don't remember what year this would have been, but I'm going to say it was probably 83 maybe, or 84 perhaps. And Dave Lauks drove the car. And if you, if you, if you go back and could find a picture of that car, it was the prettiest yellow and it had, it was almost, it almost looked like the Hevron color scheme, just a beautiful car. And Lauks ran it. And uh, I think that was Dave's last, last car. He had bought the old champagne wedge from a guy named Tom Holly who had bought it from Hevron after, you know, I think in 1980, what would it have been? One 81, 82. And Tom Holly ran it as the Oh one, I think, or, 
And then Laux made it 08, or Holly made it 08, Laux kept the number, but Laux painted it orange and ran it for a bit, but then ended up driving for Joe Hawksby somehow. So Joe became a car owner, and then that was, that car was 22, um, which I think, like I said, I think that was a Capper car. Um, Capper built car. If not, it looked just like one. I'll put it like that. If not, they copied one closely. And then he, oh gosh, um, somewhere in, I think Joe ended up, he drove, I think, um, I think he drove that car for a year. Um, Dave, unfortunately took his life at one point and, um, and then I think Joe might've run it for a year himself, but then, um, he ended up and, and I'm, gosh, I'm trying to remember again, there was a, there was a time in the mid eighties where Joe had two cars. He had one that was a number two. And I don't remember who built that car. Um, I want to say it was Capper, but I don't think it was. Um, but he had, it was a nice, it was gold and, um, Bentley Warren drove it. And, and I don't, again, I'm trying to remember here. Um, Bentley drove it one night. I think he finished the top 10 with it. And then, he also ended up back having a 22 Tim DeWine, a guy named Tim DeWine um, bought the old, the last Kemp Dates car, the red one that Doug Didero drove and Joe Pino drove and Kemp drove a bit as well. He bought that one and, and Joe drove it for a little bit. And that was 22. So he had the number 22 at that time. And and, I, and then I think, I think uh, both of those cars were maroon colored, some shade of red. Wayne DeGroff, who was one of his crew chiefs or crew members, drove the two when Joe was driving the 22. And then I think maybe Joe ended up driving the two again for a bit. And then, and then, um, that's when it, be, I think it became gold at that point. And I think Bentley drove it and that would have been maybe 80, 87, 88. And I think that was the last time that Joe used the 22. He stayed with the two after that. And I don't know if that was a decision he made or if, if at some point when he had the two, um, cause Doug Sonier came into the picture as 22, and he had the number for, you know, again, off and on for a good bit. I don't know that, I don't recall Doug ever running at Oswego with the 22 car and having to change the numbers. So that that would have been a, a, a good while, I think, that um, Sonier had it. And... Uh, Doug did some races. I know with Jamie Moore in the 40, which was the old champagne car, champagne, um, radical offset, which is now in the museum in Weedsport. Um, 
In fact, Doug, I think he finished like third or fifth or something in a classic with that car. Um, but he was the 22 for a while and had some nice, that a nice car. That was a, that was a nice car. And then, um, oh, I missed one. I, uh, Baldy Baker in the, oh, this had to be in the seventies still Baldy Baker had, um, he drove for, okay. Which now reminds me of another one. So let me go back previous to that yellow 22. Now that's that car that I mentioned that Gary Kelly and Tom Rose had, that was the first 22 I saw, but the, the Gary Albritton drove for Doug Sonier's dad, Don in a, in a 22 car it was an ex Gibson chassis, I think. And ended up that was, that became Gary's, um, first super that he had. I, I believe it was his, his, the first one he drove at Oswego anyway, and then he they bought it. His dad bought it, I think, and uh, that became the gold seventy five car that he ran in nineteen seventy four in seventy uh, seventy three, and um, or four. Maybe he started seventy four with it. I guess he did. Um, yes, he did. He started seventy four in it, then parked it to drive the ninety three, but that car was twenty two. When he and I think seven maybe nineteen seventy one or seventy two was the first time he brought it to a swigga, and that also reminds me that previous um, that that again Baldy Baker, um, and I think this was his last ride at a swigga was in Doug Sonier's father's car, which was a green twenty two. So, um, that somewhere went in between Hawksby using it. Because <laughs> uh, like I said, Joe, or it might have been um, before Joe ever started racing. Because I don't remember exactly what your Baldy quit, but I think it might have been 77 or 78. Um, so I don't quite, you know, but I I do believe I've got the Hawksby. Um, so far, I think I've, I've, I've got his, uh, his cars that he drove. I think I got him in the right order because I think he started with the X Ray Murphy thirteen that he bought from Pitcher, and then I think there was a um, there was a a or again I'm not sure. It could have been that he drove the '68 uh, car first for Jim Muldoon, and maybe then made that the '22 or whatever. But um. Those two were his first two cars in one order or the other. Then he had the the old Corp 37 car. And um, and then, like I said, he started somewhere in there, um, right about at that point, driving some cars for Mike Kapazinski. Then he had that yellow car that Dave Lauchs drove, which was 22. And then he, he had the two cars where it was a two car and a 22 car. And Tim DeWine either owned the 22 or bought it and then sold it to Joe. I don't remember which. Um, and I don't remember what happened to Tim DeWine's car. I don't remember what happened to that date's car. I don't know where it went um, from there because Joe only drove that for a short time. Then he 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 just stayed with his two car and uh, made it the gold color that Bentley, and Bentley drove it one night when I think it was the Mazer car broke um 
Bentley hopped in it and had a good run. And like I said, I think from there, I don't think there was ever a, a Hawksby 22 again. I think they stayed with the number two from, from there on out. And that's when it was shortly after that, that, um, I think Joe, I mean, he, he, I remember him running the Jeff Barzi 12 one night. I don't know why I remember that, but he ran, ran that car. That was the ex Bellinger car. And I think Jeff still has that was one of the old Miller cars. Um, and I believe Jeff still has that, that car. Um, so then Joe ended up, he, he had the, um, he bought a, a, um, I think it was a Graves car from Gary Morton. Maybe does that sound right? Um, and that was the car he almost won the feature in. I think, um, it was blue and yeah, I think that was the car that he, he almost won, won the feature with that was the number two. And then of course he bought, um, and it might've been the same, maybe it's the same car, but it was white after that. So I don't know if it's a different car, same car. And, um, that was the car that he ran in Dave Heights house. Remember Dave Heights house out of the, out of Western New York. I think it was maybe a TQ racer or a modified racer. He showed up at Oswego and just took that Hawksby car and sailed with it. Holy cow. He was fast. Um, I think he, I think Dave ended up, what did he drive after that? He drove maybe the, was it the Crusetti car for a little bit? I think. And I don't know what happened to him. He just, just stopped racing. But, um, and that, that two car that, that Heights house drove was the car that Joe jr. Started in. Um, and that would have been the late eighties by now, because I was actually on that crew. I was working with Joe jr. The first year he raced, I, I, um, did data and whatever else, um, for them did all the tire temps and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, I was, I had a good time with, with them. They were a good bunch of people. And that's, we have Paulie Kaloka on the crew and, um, gosh, I don't remember. Um, my brain's getting so bad now, but, but it was a, it was a great bunch of people. We had so much fun. Um, those, those couple years and, um, yeah. Then junior started building his own cars eventually. And, uh, we all know what happened then, but, um, the 22, I think Sonier, Doug Sonier, um, and then of course, now we have Mike McVetta and I've, I know that there's been, um, I know there's been, there had to have been a 22 or, or, or one or more 22s between those times. And I'm scrambling here. There I go again. Nineties to two thousands is where I start losing things. Um, because Joe, let's see, Joe Jr. started in, I think, 97. And, but that was a two car. Um, Sonia, I think, was still racing then. I, gosh, who was, who's been 22? Uh, Tim Proud. There we go. Oh, gosh, Camden would have shot me. Tim Proud. There was, um, so that car was a page car and i'm trying to remember i think tim had it first um and he had several he got hurt 
a couple times, got his bell rung and crashes in it. Um, ran really well, but just, you know, he just had a couple of crashes and I think Mike Bond ended up driving it. I don't know. I don't remember if Mike bought it or Tim had it or and put Mike in it or whatever, but I think Mike Bond drove that a, a few times. Um, maybe for a whole year, did he? Um, and so, yeah, Tim started. And then of course, um, so now, now, um, I remember that Camden, that was his first number in the super. Cause he, when he first, when they first bought the super for cam, they, they, they painted it green and made it 22, like his dad's car. And then, um, and then that's, uh, he ran his first classic as that and then made it the 54 because he wanted his own, you know, his own identity and uh, his own number. So he made it the uh, 54 and that's where it, you know, obviously where he's been since, but um, I think it was green with the 22 when Camden drove it too. I think they made, they had the tribute. So, um, so I think, and then Mike McVenice. So now there might've been one or two in between and somebody's somebody can fill in the blanks there, but that number has been a, a really kind of, I guess I'll always think of Hawksby in it, but it, he, Joe kept changing numbers because he, you know, he bounced between running for capper and it would be, you know, 22, then it would be 04. Then, you know, I think, like I said, I think he, and he, he ran, Joe ran for, for the 68 for Jim Muldoon, I think a little bit. I'm starting, I'm thinking that might've been um, his first ride, but I don't know that he ever bought the car. Now that I think about it, it I think he, the first car that he owned may have been the, the, the Fang car. I think he might have raced for Jim with a 68 in a few races, but I don't know that he ever bought the car. Maybe somebody can can straighten uh, straighten that out. But I, I know that, that those were that car and, and the, the Roy Murphy car. One of those two was his was Joe's first owned car. And I think the 68 he might have driven from Muldoon. I don't know. Or it could be that he bought that. You know what? I think now that I think about this, I think Joe, I think that car got totaled. The the Murphy car got totaled, I think, in a crash at Cayuga. It was a big pileup. Um, and I think that car got totaled in a, in a race at Cayuga. And, um, and then I think he might've bought the 68 car and had it for a short time and then bought the, the Corb car, I think might've been how that went, but somebody can uh, kind of go back and, and untangle that web. But, but um, I, like I said, I always think about Joe as the number 22, but I don't know that I can say he owned the number because he, he ran too many different numbers and he had his best years in the two car. So, uh, but he made his first classic in the 22 and that was the Corb car. And I think he, I think he timed in, if I'm not mistaken. I think he might have timed into the classic. Um, and that was, you know, I just, I always, um, I always enjoyed Joe and 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 Joey both great friends and uh, really good people. And um, you know, I I just uh, Joe was one of those guys that just loved it enough to keep throwing money at it, right? He, you know, he kept, he um, 
the concept of tryism. You know, he always tried hard and he just always had cars. He didn't have the money to have the best stuff. So he always had cars that were old motors that were probably, you know, not powerful enough, you know, probably couldn't afford the best components or the best tires or whatever. And then eventually once he got the, once he got the grave scar, then we started to see that Joe Hawksby could drive. And, um, you know, he had a, he had a minute or two in a capper car where he would run well. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but his, the last part of his career was by far the best. I, I like to think that Joe senior went out like kind of at the peak of his career because he almost won that race. I don't even remember what year that would have been. Um, but Jeff West passed him, um, on a restart, I think. And, um, then, uh, with the white two car, he was fast when they, that, that last car, if that, I don't, again, I don't know if it was all the same car. I can't remember. They might've had two different graves cars, but, um, the, the, the blue two and the white two, the last two colors, the last two, you know, I don't know the same car, different cars. Joe was fast and, and he ended his career kind of doing the best he'd ever done. And so I think that's cool. Um, he was competitive and, um, you know, and, and so I think he, he got to a place where he at least knew that he could be, you know, competitive and, and, and race well. And then junior started and, and boy, Joey, he, he crashed a lot of cars, but I'm going to tell you what, I still, I will forever believe that Joe Hawksby jr., there was so much potential in that young man in terms of his driving. If, if he could have just, it was almost like if you could dial it back about two notches, right? Um, that kid would have won bunches of stuff. Cause he, the, the problem was it's almost like he just had no fear. You know, he, he, and and you have to have that certain degree of of racecraft where you know when to make the move and that's you know um that's really what i see in talon now um who is joey's son i see so much of of joey in talon because talon's got this this super fast gorgeous piece of equipment and the car right now is a little bit ahead of Talon's experience and knowledge base, right? Talon's got to grow into the car. There's way more in the car than Talon can get out of it right now because he hasn't run enough to develop the, the craft of past timing and knowing when to make a move, when not to, you know, where on the track to make the move. You just see him and he's any, you know, but boy, you could see he won a heat race and, you know, had had a, a good run um, in the feature, you know, to, to get third. But, you know, again, spending a couple times, you just you see he's he's growing into the part. If he gets there and I believe he will, I think Talon is going to be the first Hawksby to crack the thousand dollar club and i think he does it this year honestly i think he he does it this year that young man is going to be good if 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 he just again it it just finds the rhythm and and 
once he gets more racecraft under his belt. Because I, I still think Joey Jr. would have been an amazing driver. But, there, you know, obviously there came a point where he just, it was it was more um, for him to build them than drive them. He, he was obviously more excited about that. And, um, you know, the last classic that he ran, which was in Jeff Carson's car, I think, he finished about 11th, somewhere, somewhere in there, 10th or 11th. And, you know, that was, it was like, if he could have built on that, I think, you know, he could have had a heck of a career. Um, cause he certainly didn't lack the ability to go fast. It was just, you know, and it, so after, you know, there came the point, I guess, where he might've just decided that it was, you know, it was better for him to build and let other people drive, um, you know, and so be it. But, uh, Talon, I think gonna, I think he's gonna, going to be the first Hawksby to crack crack victory lane um albeit in the 350 class but it's still a super and um i would be pretty sure that at some point you're going to see a big block with Talon's name on it i think in the next year or two i i just i don't believe that they would just race 350s i think there's another another Talon's got a younger brother who I think will be making his debut next year, racing wise in the car, probably testing it this year. And, uh, I think you'll see Talon in a big block eventually could be wrong, but I think you'll see him in a big block sooner rather than later. But, um, so there's the 22 and I, and it'll be interesting to see what I missed because I feel like maybe there was a new England 22 somewhere, or, um, you know, somebody that I'm just not thinking about, but I think I, I think I covered most all of them. So kind of a fun number because, again, it's it's been a, a number that's been used by a lot of different drivers. And, you know, I think about Baldy, for example, in that Don Sonier car. And, and it's funny because the, the, you, you see Baldy in the seat. Baldy was not very tall. And so you almost wondered how he could ever see over the dash. You know, he was so sort of down in the, in the car. But... Um, he had a couple good runs in that car and, and that was his, I think that was his final, final ride. And I think he, he concluded his career one night at Sandusky in that car. Um, but we could, we really, um, could do a, a whole Baldy Baker tribute show and we should do that. Um, I need to find the right person that really could, was sort of close to Baldy through his career and we could probably have a great, a great show about Baldy because he was he was a really fantastic racer and just a true gentleman and um again out of that 70s uh group of drivers that um like to have a good time he and Nolan Swift uh and uh gosh Nick Rowe were uh were buds and <laughs> They liked Bud, as in the beer. Um, so yeah, funny stuff. Great, great memories to think about all that. So there's your, there's the twenty-two. Fill it in as you can, um, and uh, we'll see if anybody comes up with any any that I haven't. But um, I think that was, you know, again, I could like Jim Muldoon drove. A, I think he drove both the the twenty-two that was the Murphy car because he had driven it as the 13. I think he drove that once or twice. I think he drove the Corb car a few times too for Joe. So like there was, 
those sorts of things. But, um, you know, back then that was Joe, they were Joe's cars. So there you go. Um, I want to just, um, share one final thought here real quick before we end this. Um, you know, this show has been fun because last week was amazing to see the way that the winners happened. And, you know, my, Oh, (laughs) back up to 22. Hello, Mike Bruce. (laughs) Oh man. Um, I, I don't want to forget that. Okay. So now back to what I was saying. Um, and he had had it in the SBS class too. And of course, uh, who is it? Robbie Gunther that, that, uh, is that the car he was, he's been driving. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so my, my point was, I was go back to my point. The, uh, the, the way that the winners happened last week, it was such a refreshing week of racing. And it just shows you that on any given week, anybody can, can jump up and win a feature in any, any division. And there's so much competition now at the track. And I love that, you know, I'm hearing conversation about, you know, there's, there was something that went around Camden and I talked about it, you know, that, that deal that went around about, you know, changing body or whatever. Um, everybody knows my thoughts on that, but you know what, a week like last week, it's just refreshing. You, You know, you're not seeing the same old people, and and uh, there are a lot of different faces up front throughout the different classes. Some great racing going on, even if it's not always for first. And um, you know, a lot of enthusiasm there. That was that was really a fun, a fun night of racing. And I hope that stuff keeps up. So, um, I'm going to close the show there. And just again, thank uh, Jeff West and the folks from IPC Indy. Thanks to. Um, Rich Worth and the folks from JNS Paving and uh, Sean Cathcart and the folks from McGroff's Pub and Skip's Fish Fries Mobile Truck and Concession at the Track. Please, please, please support those who support the sport because that's what helps them to be able to do that. So, um, and say thank you to the guys who travel. Uh, to race at Oswego every week. Kenyon Zitska comes from uh, South Carolina, even if the car is is uh, at, in, in Buffalo. Um, and, you know, again, Andrew Shartner coming from here when he, when he races. Uh, and you've got guys coming from New England to race, uh, Ohio to race. So make sure you say thank you to them. Let them know you appreciate that. It ain't cheap to travel. Trust me, I know. Do a lot of it. And and that's just me in a car. You know, it's not carrying a trailer, that, you know, where your truck gets probably eight miles a gallon or whatever. Um, you know, it's that's it's 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 a lot. So um hopefully a good safe weekend of racing in Michigan for the ISMA Supers at Berlin. I hope that they get a great turnout of cars, have two days of great racing and great weather. And look forward to um, being back in the saddle for episode 123 of The Groove next week. Until then, have a great, safe racing weekend, everybody. I'm Tom Baker. So long, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. 
Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.